0: Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones Podcast. I'm Sheridan Decker, your host, and today I have the privilege of speaking to Selene, who we have had on the podcast before. So Selene runs her own business as, well, it's under your name, isn't it? Selene yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes um she's not only a friend but she is a holistic nutritionist and she's passionate about empowering women with nutrition knowledge and tools needed to improve their health so she focuses on a lot of different areas but more specifically now I believe on PCOS um, and enhancing women's lives through real food and living a life aligned with the way nature intended so thank you for being here
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to chat with you today. We obviously had a bit of a catch up before hitting record as well, which is always nice as well. It's always good to yeah chat to someone else who is going through the same stuff as you.
0: I know because I think about it and you're one of my first guests on the podcast, I reckon, which must have been like, I don't know, I almost want to say like really two years Two ago. years.
1: Yeah, I reckon.
0: And in that time, like I think about how much my business has changed and grown and how much yours has changed and grown, but also you've had a baby, which is super Mm -hmm. exciting.
1: Yes, yes, I have. I had a baby um, about six months old now, which just feels crazy to say that, you know, in another six months' time it's going to be, I'm going to have a one-year-old. That's just so bizarre to me because it feels like I was only just, you know,
0: pregnant yesterday. How old is your business, do you reckon?
1: Uh, probably about two, just over two years old,
0: yeah, two and a half yeah. years
1: old. And I think it was September or October of 2020 that I left my job.
0: Yeah, yeah. So your business is quite new. And then to be juggling as a out before mm-hmm. the new business feels, and then also a baby. And if you don't mind me asking, how long were you trying or was your not only were you trying, but maybe how long did you start going, I think I want to have a baby in a year or six months Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like how did that process work out?
1: Yeah, very funny. So um, my partner and I have actually been together for I think seven years now. So we met when I was quite young, when I was 22, and we actually were housemates and um, that's how we met. So we started dating, I don't know how far in, not sure. It's all very blurry really, but we met when I was 22 29 now, so we're the same age as well, Sheridan. I think, and um, so what? What was it? It was not not Christmas just gone, but the one before. We were having lunch with my mum, and she asked, "What are your goals for the year?" Blah blah blah. And John, my partner, had said he just left his job as well. So November of what would have been 2020. One, he just left his job and was quite sure that he was going to start his own business. So he's in finance and um, was going on out on his own as a stockbroker. And he said, "Well, you know, get the business going, start that, and then by the end of the year, so end of 2022, um, I think I want to be ready to be a dad by then." We'd already talked about it, so that wasn't you know surprising for me. Um, And anyway, we went back home. Um, and it was like that weird time in between Christmas and new year. And I said to him, like, I haven't got my period yet. I think I'm late. And he's like, yeah, but we've been away. Like that often happens when we go away that I'll be a couple of days later. And I was like, yeah, but I just don't have that feeling. Like I'm going to get my period. Like, I just don't, I don't have the vibe, you know? And anyway, then I jokingly said to my dog, I was like, Colby, come here and made her sniff my belly. And I said, what's in here? And she, again, who knows, but she sniffed my belly and like pulled this really weird face and jumped backwards. So then I went and did a pregnancy test and I was pregnant. So um, it was really funny because he had said, you know, I want to be ready at the end of the year to be a dad. And I guess maybe the universe just kind of mix the two up so I would have already been pregnant at the time and not known it yet um so yeah not a long time. we didn't try for a long time obviously and I know that um yeah that's not everyone's experience. I'm obviously very sensitive of that but um I think you know we talk a lot about preconception care and the importance of that but like as a nutritionist your life is basically preconception care anyway you're kind of living and breathing those changes all the time anyway. So I wasn't really concerned at all around that and um yeah, I had a really nice um pregnancy. Definitely trimester 1 was very hard to run a business in because you feel not amazing. You kind of feel hungover every day and I also got covid in trimester 1, so I was quite tired and felt yucky. But then after that, it was all, um, yeah, pretty good. Towards the end of pregnancy, I definitely felt the need to pull back and I didn't want to give to others anymore. That was a really strong feeling that I had. And in our work, that's obviously very hard to manage that feeling because our job is constantly giving to others. So yeah, that I found quite challenging to manage um and yeah birth wise we had an amazing home birth um it all went really well it was obviously so bloody hard because it's like the most intense physical experience I think I've ever been through I'm sure for for most women it's like that um and my biggest fear around birth was just having to go to the hospital I really didn't want that um so I was really glad that um yeah it I mean, it was about 19 hours, I think, all up, which felt like such a long time, but I'm told that's quite good for a first-time mum.
0: Wow. 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 I mean, like, there's there's so much to unpack there. One, the fact that, <laughs> you know, you had a pretty good pregnancy and all that stuff and you felt pregnant, I want to say, quite easily. It's not like you were yeah. trying for years and couldn't fall pregnant in a sense. But then also I love that fact that your lifestyle was already and I'm using quote-unquote here, but it was already good that you weren't like, okay, I have to spend a dedicated three months to get my body in shape before I'm ready to try for a baby because there's so many women who come to me and they're kind of like, it's not like I want to get pregnant right now, but they're like, you know, if I felt pregnant, I would be okay with that. But they've got severe IBS, they've Mm -hmm. got so much bloating, constipation, hormones all over the place. And my first thought is kind of like, but I, I probably wouldn't even be trying right now because yeah. your body is a complete mess and you must know more about this than me, but surely that's got to impact your babies, the yeah. state of your health when you fall pregnant.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know for sure that um, the egg and even the health of the sperm, so the health of the partner will will definitely um you know, can impact baby's health outcomes. Um, And certainly health of the microbiome of the mother is super, super important, especially if you are having a vaginal birth because a lot of that is um, the baby is really going to pick up on that um, during birth and ultimately um, that's going to form their microbiome as well. So I think that's super important. And I guess, yeah, having kind of embarked on my own kind of like rigorous health journey, really at like my early 20s. I think I'd kind of unpacked a lot of that already. And I already was doing, you know, I already get my bloods done three, two or three times a year. So I didn't really have any concerns around nutrient deficiencies or hormonal things. You know, I'd been off contraception since I was like 20. So nine years really off contraception and like I think a lot of people are, aren't doing that like a lot of people come off and they're like great it's been three months ready to fall pregnant now um, and that's just a product of you know I guess society and thinking that it you know kind of yeah we won't spend too much time there yeah. I guess because it's, <laughs> it can be a sensitive topic but for me you know I had like yeah nearly 10 years off any contraception and I think that all of that for sure Um, plays a role in fertility outcomes
0: so if you're already quite a healthy female then when you found out you were pregnant did anything then change or it was just life as
1: normal or what it was pretty much life as normal like I definitely then included um I went and did um, like some trimester one blood. So I had had bloods done actually in November um, of that year. So I fell pregnant in mid-December and I had had bloods done already in November. So I was already pretty across um, any tweaks and changes that had to happen. Um, I did have iron that I knew in November. I was like, okay, my iron was okay, but not amazing. And I knew already that that is something from working with clients that a lot of women struggle with for a variety of reasons. And part of it is like a lack of understanding around iron changes during pregnancy, but then also, you know, your baby's needs increase significantly in trimesters two and three. And so that plays a role as well. So I knew that, um, going into kind of finding out I was pregnant. So I was already on the front foot with, um, really optimizing that. So I was including more of like your beef liver, more red meat and all of that. Um, and then I did organize some new bloods in trimester one. Um, and yeah, everything there was really fine. So I did include a prenatal at that time as well. Um, so I know there's lots of different ones that you can include, of course, but I, um, just included one with a really good quality folate, which I did I want to include. I was hoping you were going to say t- one
0: like, I was like, I've seen it on your Instagram and I'm like, I hope she pulls this into the podcast because I know you're so passionate about this and I yes. see it come up so much in the health industry. Yeah. Folic yes. acid.
1: So no folic acid, definitely wasn't taking Elevate. Um, So I took a really good quality prenatal. I took, um, and sometimes this changed during pregnancy as well, but I was... Um, Definitely including more liver and red meats. I was also including a good quality omega-3. And I was also just more conscious of getting in more probiotics. Occasionally, I did take specific probiotics because a really common Symptom during pregnancy is constipation, the joys, Um, but that's really common because of your surging levels of progesterone and progesterone is a smooth muscle relaxant. Your entire digestive system is essentially smooth muscle, so it's really going to slow down that peristaltic movement. And so I'd find when I was like out of normal routine or maybe if I just hadn't have been as conscious of dietary, of of what I was eating, Um, and sometimes even just randomly I would get constipation, which is something I've not, you know, might've had in my very early twenties, but not something I've had for years and years. So um, that I would oscillate, you know, including certain pre and probiotics if I was experiencing something like that. Um, and then what are some other supplements that I included towards the end of my pregnancy? I did include an iron supplement, but probably only for one or two months because I had um, quite good iron stores. And then I also included a zinc as well because I found that that was something that was starting to drop off towards the end of pregnancy as well. So I did my blood tests um, each trimester. Um, I didn't redo all of them, but let's just say, for example, that I had, you know, moderate. Of certain nutrients, then I was making sure that I was redoing those ones. Um, Living in, say, sunny Queensland, I've never, ever had a problem with my vitamin D levels. That's not something that I was retesting in trimesters two and three, because I'm always outside getting plenty. So that's sort of how I chose um, what to do. And the great thing that I loved in pregnancy as I had a, um, was lucky enough to have a private midwife. So I had no trouble getting blood tests done because she would just order what I wanted done, which was such a different and amazing experience. I actually didn't have, I didn't, I haven't been to a doctor since before I was pregnant. So I didn't go during pregnancy to a doctor or after either. So I had, I think, quite a different experience to what other people often do. And I know that is, um yeah, that's I guess how I wanted to design my pregnancy journey and the experience that felt most comfortable for me.
0: What was uh, pushing factor in you wanting to have a home birth? Because mm. I have a few friends who have been very much like that and they've wanted to have birth at home. And for them, it has worked out. I know that's yes. not always the case for everyone, but and there's different reasons behind it, I guess. But for you, what was that sort of? Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I basically knew straight away. I was like, I do not want to birth in a hospital. I think, um, the best place to birth, I think is where you feel the safest. And for me, that is not in hospital. Um, I knew enough, I didn't know a lot about birth, but I knew enough about the intervention rates in hospital to know that we're doing something majorly, majorly wrong. Um, And then obviously, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was like, you know, reading all the books and researching more into birth and kind of how we've really like fucked up the birthing system. Like we really, really have. And we've tried to, I guess, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, but like systematize something that cannot be systematized and something that, you know, why is it that we expect all women to birth within a certain amount of time you know, why is it that we accept that full gestation is 42 weeks and yet you're going to start talking to us about induction at 40 weeks? Like, are you joking? It's well and truly accepted that full gestation is 42 weeks, but you're going to start talking about forcing my labor to happen at 40 weeks? No, thank you. So I went to 42 weeks and two days um, and I cried nearly every day after 41 weeks because I was just so over it and, you know, wanted labor to happen. And then when I was in the depths of labor, I was like, why did I want this to happen? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I just really wanted an intervention free birth. And I knew that the best chance I had of that was to be birthing at home. Um, and I also wanted to be in an environment after birth where I felt really comfortable and safe. And I wasn't worried about what was happening to my baby. Um, where I knew that it was just us. It was just, you know, my family. And, um, I knew that that can only really happen at home. And I think, um, yeah, I just did a lot of research around that. I did watch, you know, a lot of birth videos and that kind of thing. And not everyone feels safe doing that. I did, um, But yeah, that was my experience. I had an amazing midwife as well. I did have a lot of trouble finding a midwife just because I think during COVID home birth became more popular because, um, you know, they were testing partners when you would arrive at the hospital. And so if your partner was testing positive, then they weren't allowed into the birthing room. And I just cannot imagine having to give birth on your own. Like I only needed John and only wanted John there the whole time I did not I did not want a bar of anyone else and I cannot imagine going through that on your own
0: Yeah, my friend um, down south in Albany had twins during COVID and he wasn't allowed in um, for ages, like, and, yeah, just the whole mask thing and then, yeah, the amount of people that were allowed Mm. in. And she just said it was awful. It was horrible. I just wanted him there and he wasn't allowed to be in there and the number of people in the room. She said it was just like it was so crap.
1: Yeah, yeah, my heart honestly breaks for anyone that has to go through that on their own. I, I think that would be so hard.
0: So in a home birth, it's just one midwife. Is that correct? Um no. So there's
1: um one usually at the start, and then two come for basically when you're when the midwife can tell that you're towards the end of labor, um, they'll call in the second midwife and they're really there as like that second support person so that if um you and baby need help, they can be there. And then they're also really helpful with kind of the um you know the cleanup process and all of that, so yeah, I, I um basically was in labor for about 19 hours. I didn't really have any early labor, I had early labor for like an hour and then was basically in active labor for the rest of the time until transition. So it was all quite full on the whole time for me. And I um went into labor around 5 p.m. and then 2 a.m. ish was when we called my midwife and then um. I had been in the bath, our bathroom, and they, um, had suggested I come out to the birth pool and that just really slowed everything right down for me. So I went from like, you know, being what seemed like kind of getting close to transition to, um, yeah, everything really just tapering off and dying down. So I ended up getting myself out after about an hour and was like, I feel like everything slowed down and it's, um, I think quite well known that during birth, as the sun's starting to come up, that can be where um everything really starts to slow down because your cortisol's coming up as the sun's coming up. And during birth, you want your melatonin really high and your cortisol low because that really helps to facilitate those hormones um, that you know allow birth to take place. And so my partner was like, oh my God, we're not doing this for another day. Like there's no way. So he went into our room and we have got quite good blockout blinds. He was like making it all dark and then basically put like, a, we had like a mattress specifically for birth. So he put that down and I went into the there and my midwife had come in and she said to me, Celene, I actually think that you were laboring better when I wasn't here. Would you mind if I left? If you don't want me to leave, I'm happy to stay, but I just think that that might actually help to progress things. And I was like, Whatever. I don't care. You <laughs> leave. You do you go home. <laughs> and anyway, she left. And that was probably like four or five a.m. And then yeah, it got really intense basically as soon as she left. Um, and then my waters didn't break until right near the end. So my waters broke around 8 a.m. or something like that ish. And we called the John um called the midwives back, and that's the second midwife came at the same time because by the time my waters broke, and then basically as soon as they broke, I was like, "I need to push, and like I it was involuntary, like your body just does it on its own." And so he was like, "Oh my God, called the midwives, and they got here like with only like fifteen minutes of him being born. so yeah honestly, it could have nearly been just us at home. um so yeah it was it was definitely a, a really amazing experience
0: but I mean like in the I don't know John at all like I couldn't pick mm. him I would known, don't know what he's like but it's so special mm. that you have that with him and that a he could be there he's involved he's switched on he's a part of that because I know that's also you know not everyone's experience in mm-hmm. a sense as well but I imagine how comforting that must be for you. Like I think of my best friend who just had a baby and she's like, you know, like, I'm just so glad he was, he was there, but also, yeah, having that awareness and that understanding and that openness oh, it must just make such a difference.
1: Yeah. I feel like it definitely brings you closer together. And I think I can only imagine from their perspective, like watching your basically like best friend and partner go through, like, like it's like brings you to, you know, the nth of your physical abilities as a person and you kind of go into this whole other world, like it's, it, you know, it would be pretty special, I think, from their perspective to see that, I guess, like level of resilience and kind of, um, yeah, what you've gone through as part of that.
0: How big was your, a little boy, isn't it? Yeah, yep. So he was
1: 3.8 kilos. Um, I don't know what that is in pounds, but um, he, like around 3.5 kilos is average. And we thought that he might be a bit bigger because, um, because I'd gone to 42 weeks and two days, it would be quite normal for him to be a bit bigger. Just, yeah, quite, you know, I guess normal for that gestation. Um but it's funny because during birth, a late pregnancy, sorry, everyone was like, you're going to have such a small baby. You're going to have such a small baby. Mm-hmm. I think just because I'm quite tall, I have a longer torso. And so, you know, there's more room for a baby to grow. If I was quite short, they only grow out, obviously. Um, and yeah, now he's like so big. Like I think he's like to over 10 kilos now and he's only six months old. So he's right. definitely a chunky little monkey.
0: And were you breastfeeding?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I'm still breastfeeding um, and I will go for really like as long as we both want to. I definitely want to make sure I have a break before having another baby. Um, So, yeah, it will depend, I guess, on what he wants, but I definitely want to get to at least 12 months. I would do a bit longer um, if yeah it's working for both of us still
0: yeah yeah which is so nice that a nice that you had the milk production and that you yeah. can do it and all those kinds of things as well what shifted from pregnancy and breastfeeding are you hungrier did you eat more mm. did you eat less like was there any real changes because you're still feeding someone else which you would have been when you're pregnant but yeah is
1: that- yeah Yeah, definitely thirstier. I reckon that is the biggest change, especially at the start. Like for example, overnight, I was probably drinking two liters of water overnight and then at least that probably more during the day. So, John's main job at the start was basically fetching water for me all the time. Um, He'd literally bring me a bottle of water and I'd be like, I need more. And so I just brought you some. And I was like, yeah, no, it's done now. So I need more. Um, So yeah, that obviously really focusing on then electrolyte replenishment because you are drinking so much water. So even like just your basic salt, lemon, that kind of thing is amazing. Um, Hunger, definitely at the start, I think also because during labor, it's such an intense experience. You obviously don't eat during that period. I mean, most of mine was overnight, which I wouldn't be eating anyway. But you, your whole body kind of evacuates, obviously, as well going through that. And so I think those first few days, I was definitely hungrier and definitely wanted more like sweet food as well, which I'm not the biggest sweets person. But obviously, your body has a higher maybe carbohydrate requirement, um, after such an intense experience. So I definitely found that I think overall, probably hungrier. Um, I think as well, though, you know, at the end of pregnancy, you don't have a lot of room in your stomach anymore. And so I guess I was used to eating maybe smaller quantities than I would normally. And so, um, I was probably the, how I would eat was a little bit different at the start. I think now I'm probably more back to normal. Um, but yeah, definitely the start I was eating more often. Um, and the biggest thing I think when you have a newborn is you literally do not have time. Like, I know that's the dumbest thing to say because it feels like they sleep quite a lot but you don't have time and you're also recovering. So you just don't want to be in the kitchen making food. And depending on how your birth was, you might not be that comfortable standing up for a few weeks um, for long periods of time. So having food prepped and prepared is such a game changer. I, I, Prepared probably only two weeks worth of food because my partner works from home and both of us really enjoy cooking as well. So I was like, "Well, it won't be a problem." But I actually wish I had prepared more. Um, and also, we didn't have, we don't have the biggest freezer space either. So I think next time probably be in a bigger house and all of that by then and I probably would do something like maybe go and buy a deep chest freezer and actually do more meal preparation because you don't have time and you just want like my mum had actually made us this like she's French so she'd made um like beef bourguignon which is like a yeah you know what it is yeah yeah. yeah. Um, and that was amazing. So she had done that with like these little button mushrooms and like rice cooked in bone broth and greens. And I think we had that for the first three or four nights afterwards. And it was just so nice to not have to think about what you were eating and um, yeah, just have that done. And then I had a couple of friends that when they would visit, they would bring over stuff like that. So I think that is literally the best gift that you can give anyone who's just had a baby is food
0: especially something that's reasonably nutritious as well like beef I think of that for example I'd be like yes straight away because you're getting so many vitamins and minerals and nutrients out of that dish in a sense and it doesn't have to be a heap of veggies but those real nutrient dense things like your beef or your egg yolks or whatever it is where you're like yes "Yes," just your body must just be craving like dense nutrition like
1: yeah yeah definitely I think that's so true and I think a lot of your Slow cooks are really good as well. Cause you think about, you know, like there's a, a, a wound inside you, the size of a dinner plate from where your placenta has detached. There's so much healing that needs to take place internally. You're still, you're going to bleed for, you know, anywhere from two to three weeks. Some women bleed for longer than that. Um, and you are losing at least at the start, like quite a lot of blood. So there's just, Yes, yeah, so much nourishment, I think, that has to take place in that first few weeks and ongoing, obviously, hopefully as well. But I think my yeah, my heart often breaks for, you know, those people that haven't done that prep or don't have that knowledge around it. So they might be eating, you know, takeaway and those sorts of things, which is not what your body needs. Um, so I found slow cooks were great and from a digestive perspective as well. Um, the other thing i think to factor into that that initial period is um you know those first couple of bowel movements after having a baby as well um I was very scared about that. And thankfully it was, you know, totally fine, but you definitely want to make sure that you're eating foods that are going to make that softer and easier for you. So I had things done, like I had um, a recipe for like a flax bread that has psyllium and flax in it. So I was eating things like that, that were higher in fiber and, you know, I can tolerate that fine. Um, But that made sure that my stool was really soft and that that bowel movement was actually easier for me and as long as I was drinking plenty of water. So those things are important as well.
0: Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Like there's stuff that like I wouldn't even think about, be like, oh, you know, but until you've sort of been through it or you have a lot of experience mm. around it, you're like, oh, of course, like, you know, that extra bit of fiber or that extra bit of nutrition. And like you said, like, may, yeah, maybe is that awareness of going, I'm going to be busier than what I think like meal prepping yeah. is so important and so key. But I guess in a sense of nutrition, it doesn't specifically change because leading up to falling pregnant, you need all those nutrients. I know. Pregnant, you need yes. all those nutrients. Post-pregnancy, you need all those nutrients. So it's more probably about time and what things are easy and nutrient dense, like that's probably where you're yes. getting the most bang for your buck, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think accounting for probably eating a little bit more at certain times and changing the way that you're eating but yet ultimately there's nothing really inherently special about like the types of foods because hopefully outside of pregnancy you're still wanting the best for your body and those nutrients don't change in terms of what we need as humans to function and what we need to grow a healthy baby and replenish postpartum. We need iron, we need B12, we need iodine, we need zinc, Um, you know, all of these things we need anyway. So maybe in higher quantities and that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I think there's often we talk about like what do we need specifically in pregnancy I'm like all the things that we need
0: all the time probably a bit more because you're a human still you still need the human things yes you're growing a human and I guess that last kind of element is giving that grace and space to yourself because Mm. you are and we've chatted about this before. but how driven and motivated you are and letting go of the expectations and whether it's a perfectly tidy house whether it's a fully functioning business Mm. and it's making that money whether it's being there for your friends and family like you normally would like there must just be so many things that for that period of time you're Mm. like I've got to try and just let that shit go for a bit like that must be hard too
1: yeah, it definitely is. I think the other thing that really I found quite challenging at the start was cluster feeding. So I'd heard about this cluster feeding, but I was kind of just didn't really, I guess I hadn't been through it, so I didn't understand the reality of what that meant. But essentially um from about one week or, or yeah, you know, 5 or 7 days old when my milk fully came in, my baby Lomi, he would cluster feed, so feed essentially back-to-back for between four to five or six hours a day um, because they are growing really rapidly. They need more food and they're also doing that to increase your milk supply as well. So that happened for, I don't know, a long time, like probably four to six weeks. It wasn't necessarily at the end every single day but it was a huge adjustment for me because you are feeding like you to the point where I'd be like, John, you need to take him for a minute so I can just go to the toilet. And like, he would cry in that time. And so you're in the toilet, just having a moment to yourself and your baby is crying because they still need you. So you, it's this feeling of like constantly someone needs you. Um, And the other thing at the start is your nipples are so sore. It feels like you have carpet burn on them. Um, at the beginning, and because you're not used to someone sucking on them for that many hours a day. Well, most people, maybe there are some people that are, I don't know, but. Um, and so, yeah, that was a huge process to get used to it. Obviously, understanding that it is short term and you really have to surrender to that because it's not going to be forever. Um, but you probably can't get much done. Um, And so at the start, the first week or so, I did cry probably quite a lot because it was just so foreign to me to be needed all the time to basically have to, you know, rearrange things to need something simple like a shower or to wash my face or something like that was, you know, Needed organizing, so you feel very dependent on your other half. I don't know how people do this alone. Like hats off to them. I genuinely don't know how you do it, but you know, so dependent on him for things like oh, I need this or I need that. Can you get this? And um, yeah, that was just as someone who's like quite independent. Very hard to wrap my head around. Um, and then yeah, obviously very difficult to get anything done during that time. um, And you're, as you said, yeah, growing a baby. So obviously the physical demands on your body are quite hard off the back of going through basically 19 hours. And sometimes for a lot of women, it might be a lot longer than that of a very, very intense experience off the back of nine months of pregnancy. So I think, um, yeah, at the start when you're like, why do I feel like This is hard. You're like, it's, it is hard. And so it feels hard. It's normal for it to feel hard. And so I would just, I guess, after that first week, I kind of just surrendered to it. I found that I would rewatch New Girl. And so that was like my thing, basically, every afternoon. I knew about like two or three o'clock in the afternoon is when the cluster feeding would start. And so I was like, right, I need snacks and I need some water and I need New Girl. So I would be like propped up in bed. Um, New Girl was on and John would basically just be he was back to work quite early, but working from home. So he would be basically on water and snacks duty. And I would just be feeding. And once I got to that point where I was like, right, I'm just gonna find a series that I enjoy. I'm gonna eat food I enjoy and I ended up being okay with it and ended up kind of, you know, enjoying it, almost looking forward to it, I guess, because I was like, right, this is my time in the afternoon when I can just relax and lie here. But at the start I was like, I don't want to relax and lie here. Like I don't want to get outside and I want to do stuff and all of that. And it just was not a thing at that time in the afternoon, because if you're not feeding them and like allowing that cluster feeding process, they just, he would just cry and it was just not possible to be doing stuff. And then, all of a sudden that phase comes to an end and you're like, "I, we can do things in the afternoon. This is crazy. And then it just feels like a distant memory. But yeah, it was very, um a lot to, I guess, process and go through. And I think that one of the biggest things is really like the shedding of your identity of who you were before. And like, I'm not that person anymore. I'm this new person and I'm, I don't know her. And like, I'm kind of mourning that old, person and you know there's so many different factors that psychologically I think affect you in that period like even just being intimate with your partner obviously that's not something you're thinking about in those early days but it's like when will I want to do that again when will my body be okay to do that again when will I actually want that again you know like there's you're not here everything changes it's just so crazy
0: and it's yeah you're right like and it's hard like From being where you were like a year ago, you know, like before, Mm -hmm. well, a year and a half, whatever it is, where I am sitting now, looking at you, going, wow, like who knows that might be me in a year or two years Mm. or three years or whatever. But it's so hard to comprehend, and you wouldn't have thought about that or understood that prior to being a mum. And I like you, you hear all the time people go, things change when I became a mum, and kind of like, yeah, 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 what, like whatever, you know, and but. When you're there, that must make sense, and that's you know, like I'm obviously for some women wanting to be a mum, this is a really hard topic as well. So I'm sensitive around that, but also just that understanding and that that shift from being, I mean, you weren't single, but from being that essentially single yeah. woman, female to now having someone to care for. 24-7 in a sense but also yeah. like you said your body's gone through that changes and your awareness and you're shifting and I guess yeah it's just it's a lot
1: it's just it is a lot. a lot yeah it is a lot like everything yeah everything shifts and changes your priorities shift and change obviously now my number one priority forever is going to be basically loomy and everything else is going to come second to that that's just the way it is and previously you've never had that before so that's you know yeah something really big to wrap your head around so it's it's definitely a life-changing event and I think you it's something you can't understand fully until you've been through it I had so many preconception postpartum clients before and I feel like I can relate to them now and such a different level because I get it and Mm -hmm. I'm you know I've I've been through it I'm going through it now I should say Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's definitely a life-changing event I feel like you see (laughs) mums walking in we have like a long lane and like I see other mums walking in like it's almost like you give them a nod like yeah it's hard I know you're doing good
0: yeah yeah (laughs) and I guess on a like on a baseline nutritionist level you must attribute that your the way you felt the health of your baby Mm. the recovery of your body even though it's never perfect and it's probably never is what we all think it's going to be but surely you must look back and go this experience was only made better by the fact that I put good food in my body
1: I mean I'd have to, you know, I'm obviously biased but I definitely think so Um, and I think you'll never, like, yeah, it's very hard to say, you know, was it just um, luck and all of that kind of thing. You never fully know Um, but I do think it makes such a difference and he's been, yeah, touch wood, you know, he hasn't been sick at all even actually because this, again, very probably unconventional view, but I am not going to take my healthy baby to the doctor because the doctor is somewhere you go when you're sick. He has not been sick, so he's not been to the doctor his life. Um, And, you know, I think it's, yeah, a very probably unconventional experience, but I, I, he's just so healthy. Like I just don't see the reason for that. Um, And, you know, I know lots of people, do like the percentile tracking and all of that which I don't, I've do never done it but I looked it up the other day just out of curiosity and he was like 97th percentile and I was like oh cool we're doing good
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, I'm I love that I love this whole chat I love your story I love that you have such an open view on so many things but also so much knowledge around it as well because I also think that being pregnant or having something happen to you pushes you into a certain area mm. you know what I mean like for me I was constipated for so many years so I really care about constipation like yes. when I fall pregnant I'll probably be the same like I'll yes. nerd out on pregnancy like and it just gives you as a person as a practitioner this whole like you said you can relate to people better or more or when we have an interest in something we just we read about it on our weekends feel mm. different than just having having to study something and I think that yeah that's amazing too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. Um, so for those who enjoyed this chat, you can find Selene, I'll link these in the show notes for you guys, but on her website, which is her name. So www.solaine and then douglas, d o u g l a s dot com. And that is the same with her Instagram. So selenedouglas_nutrition. Douglas underscore nutrition. So they're probably the best places to find. Yeah, definitely. You but you also have an amazing podcast. Are you recording? Have you been recording? I don't know with the baby. Yes, I have.
1: um, Inconsistently earlier this year, but we're back on now. Yeah, Um, yeah, podcast is called Holistic Health Chat. So if you just search my name actually in the um, podcast app, you'll find it me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time out, the time away from your little man and to have a chat with me. And I just, I think you're an amazing mother. I think you're an amazing practitioner and, you know, in- Couple of years, if I ever have a baby, I'll be like, help me. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. You'll be like, meal prep, meal prep, like a month, six weeks. Yes. That is the take home
1: message meal prep more than you think.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much today. I really appreciate having you on.
1: Thanks so much. Looking forward to chatting again soon.